At our Unitarian Universalist General Assembly in Minneapolis last June, delegates from our congregations voted to approve immigration as a moral issue, as our congregational study action issue for the next four years. UUA calls a congregational study action issue an invitation for congregations and districts to take a topic of concern and confront it, reflect on it, learn about it, respond to it, comment on it, take action, each in their own way. A CSAI is not a statement. It is a question. Actually, it's many questions, and here are some of them quoted from the CSAI. What is the economic impact of immigration on countries and on individuals? For what reasons are immigrants arrested and incarcerated, and once incarcerated, how are individuals and families treated in detention centers? What are our positions on the enforcement of national boundaries? Who are the immigrants in our communities? What are the myths and realities regarding immigrants? Using Unitarian Universalist principles and values, what would be a just and humane immigration policy? Now is the time for discernment and dialogue about immigration so that we may contribute responsibly to the conversation, not only within our movement, but also in the public square. Discernment and dialogue mean exactly that. There is no party line on immigration, not at First Parish in Cambridge, not in our religious movement. This is a time for listening deeply to one another, not reciting talking points, for hearing each other out, not doubting each other down, for telling our own stories of immigration and those of our families and friends, and for contemplating with compassion the stories of those with whom we may disagree. My own position on immigration has evolved and will continue to evolve. Whatever my thinking may be at any moment, it need not be your thinking. As your ministers, Reverend Cuervo and I enjoy the freedom and the responsibility of the pulpit. You enjoy the freedom and the responsibility to make up your own mind. Immigration is a complex issue. I have many questions to which I don't know the answers, but I know that our current laws are not working. I know that the human suffering they inflict is intolerable. I know that families should not be torn apart, children wrenched from their parents' arms. And I know that scapegoating and dehumanizing any group of people means not them, but us. Everyone has a right to the tree of life. This morning, we'll hear from three members of our congregation who, like me, traveled to Arizona last July to stand on the side of love for immigrant families. We begin with Karen Lynn. On the 27th of July, I flew to Phoenix to protest the new anti-immigrant law known as SB 1070. But the story of how I got there begins nearly 40 years ago, in 1971, when my father came to the United States to study at the University of Chicago. 
A year later, my mother followed. Two years after that, I was born. I am the daughter of Taiwanese immigrants, and I am a native-born U.S. citizen. Until recently, this was a fact I took very much for granted. A dozen years ago, I felt the same animosity toward undocumented immigrants that many still do today. Back then, my hero was Inspector Javert, the policeman in Les Miserables, whose belief in the law is so absolute that when his life is spared by the man he considers a brutal ex-convict, he can't cope with the moral contradiction and throws himself into the river. I admired his clarity. Lawbreakers should be punished, period. Today, I am an organizer of the Immigration Task Force at First Parish. I serve on the steering committee of the Boston New Sanctuary Movement and Interfaith Coalition for Immigrant Rights. Nearly every spare moment of my life that isn't dedicated to this church is spent working for immigrant justice. How did I get here? Part of the journey happened when I learned Spanish at the age of 26. I was motivated by pure self-interest, preparing for a career change. But a funny thing happened. As I consumed Spanish radio, TV, and newspapers, as I began to understand conversations I overheard in the grocery store, I stopped seeing Latinos as the other. I learned that they thought about the same things I did, families, jobs, what to have for dinner. I learned that they experienced the same pain that I have when I'm made to feel unwelcome in this country. My conception of our common humanity began to transcend the language and culture that had once seemed so foreign. And as I learned about the suffering that US immigration policy and its harsh enforcement methods have inflicted, I thought of slavery and Jim Crow and segregation. I understood that law and morality are not and have never been synonymous. Yet when faced with this dilemma, I choose not the path of Inspector Javert, but that of my spiritual forebearers, like Theodore Parker and Lucy Stone, who worked to change the law and simultaneously stood with those most affected by its injustice. So when the call came for Unitarian Universalists to go to Phoenix to protest SB 1070, I went. How could I not? My Latino brothers and sisters are being terrorized, fearing that at any moment they could be torn from their families, thrown in jail, or deported. And so I left my own family and joined UUs from all over the country to stand on the side of love. I marched with two Latina women who thanked me and said, we are the face of America. I stood outside Sheriff Arpaio's jail, where UUA President Peter Morales was arrested with Reverend Susan Frederick Gray, the minister of the Phoenix UU congregation, and Salvador Reza, the leader of Puente, a grassroots immigrant rights group. I stood vigil there that night, singing and praying with other UUs so that those inside would know they were not alone. The next day, our friends were released from jail and we had a happy reunion followed by a moving Taizé service at the Valley UU Church in Chandler. But our worship was cut short when we heard that Sal Reza had been seized again while standing across the street from a protest. He was placed in a closed van for two hours with outside temperatures over 105 degrees, then taken to Tent City, Sheriff Arpaio's infamous makeshift jail. We joined Puente for another vigil. At 3.30 in the morning, the county prosecutor found no probable cause for the abduction, and Sal was released. After four days in Phoenix, I returned home to the comfort of my family 
and the security of my church, more mindful of the privileges I enjoy based on the country of my birth, more resolute in my commitment to immigrant justice. I have seen how we humans are capable of extreme hate and abuse, but also of boundless love and steadfast solidarity. We will continue the struggle for as long as it takes. La lucha sigue, si se puede. So, one morning in mid-July, I turned on the radio. This is what I heard. They're murderers. They kill people. In cars, they're not even supposed to be driving. I've had friends killed. This man's pain was evident. He had called into a national radio program to talk about it. But he had made a jump from the pain of his own loss to accusing all undocumented immigrants of murder. It was as if somehow his pain, and maybe even the crime of murder itself, could be erased if all illegals were caught, detained, and deported. And the radio host breezed into a break. Um, where were the voices reminding this man who was feeling the pain of violence and violated borders, that illegals were also feeling the pain of violence and violation. And where were the voices reminding us that documents don't make more human? And that not having documents doesn't make you a murderer. That morning, I knew that I needed to join the group of Unitarian Universalists who would be protesting SB 1070 in Phoenix, where Sheriff Joe Arpaio has been making military-style sweeps through Latino neighborhoods for years, detaining anyone who can't show ID. Phoenix, where grassroots Latino groups have been working to address the culture of fear that has descended on Latinos of all nationalities, regardless of immigration status. Phoenix, where State Bill 1070 was about to give the sheriff carte blanche to inquire about the immigration status of any person who looked illegal. Only the plane ticket stood in the way for me, so I sent out an email. Within the afternoon, two people had offered funds to offset the cost of the plane ticket, and two more had made offers to help me fundraise. I had support from our pastor and members of this church who shared my ideals and were willing to help. Soon I was sitting in the sanctuary of the EU Congregation of Phoenix, learning what to expect during a protest. Seeing civil disobedience training going on inside a church brought to mind images of the civil rights movement of the 1960s where people in pressed clothes, with coiffed hair, church-going people were trained to defy the law because they knew that this struggle was their struggle. We were warned to take care of each other, to hydrate, to become our brother's keeper, our sister's keeper, in the 120-degree July heat. We were trained to ask and to keep asking if someone seemed disoriented or weak, if they needed water or wanted a rest. The next morning, along with hundreds of other protesters, we took to the streets and, at the designated time, dozens of UUs, Catholics, Episcopalians, and folks with no church affiliation at all made a stand. They sat and blocked a public intersection until they were arrested. As they sat and sang, we brought them water and we called out encouragement. Escuchen, amigos, el pueblo está contigo. Listen, friends, the village is with you. Then, a text message went out. Several blocks away, a group, including Unitarian ministers and laypeople, had chained themselves together, blocking the doors of Arpaio's jail. 
saying with their presence, I am a citizen, and if you want to send men with guns to sweep a Latino neighborhood today, you will have to go through me. More of our friends were arrested and jailed. After a long, emotional day, the coiffed church ladies were giving me, in my Che Guevara hat, a run for my money. Sweaty and tired, we joined a vigil at the jail for those who had been arrested. In our yellow shirts, we sang songs of comfort and community, hoping that those who had been arrested could hear. At the vigil, I struck up a conversation with a Latino teenager. We talked a little about what it's like to be 15 and Latino in Phoenix. When I wear this hoodie going to play basketball at the park, the police stop me, he said matter-of-factly. They never find anything, but they always just stop us in the street. His mother, a member of the grassroots group Puente, sat next to us. I was bone-tired, sunburned, drained. I needed to remember why I was there, and this reminded me. I was there to stand with this mother and her kid. She has the right to feel that her family belonged here. He has the right to play basketball without feeling like a criminal. After the protest, someone from Puente told me how thankful he was for the yellow shirts. Whatever I needed, he said, I knew I could ask a yellow shirt, and Sir would be sure and help. I often feel proud to be you, you, but I have never felt more proud than in Phoenix. I know that if there is a modern day Selma, we will be there, and we will be being the change that we want to see. Thank you, Kai. Good morning. I'm Susan Leslie Pritchard. I'm a member of this congregation. I serve on our Social Justice Council and Immigration Task Force. I'm also the Congregational Advocacy and Witness Director at the Unitarian Universalist Associations, that's UUA for short, national headquarters. The UUA standing on the side of love campaign was just a year old when we put out the call for people to come to Phoenix and stand with the partners in Phoenix and our congregations there and the Puente movement. In one year, we went from congregations introducing the campaign and Sunday services to 200 UUs from all over the country, from Maine to Tennessee to California and Massachusetts, coming to stop the implementation of a law in Arizona that took the criminalization of immigrant community and undocumented workers to new levels, or depths, we could say. The UUA's president and dozens of clergy and lay leaders committed civil disobedience, as Kai and Karen have told you, in front of Sheriff Arpaio's offices and jails, along with dozens of immigrant rights leaders, to stand in solidarity, to give courage to others who want to speak out but have been afraid or intimidated. The climate has been very heavy there. And to appeal to those folks in the movable middle who see the humanity of their Latino sisters and brothers and that the law has gone too far. Along with the hundreds of others who witnessed that day, we sent a powerful message of solidarity. There were all kinds of folks at the Phoenix worship services, rallies, and actions, people of many faiths, anti-racist activists, immigrant rights groups, anarchists, and labor leaders. Many are hurt and angry, and their chants reflected that. Standing on the side of love brought a non-polarizing message of love. Throughout the days of action, our faith was present, visibly guiding us, acted upon and deepened. We were bound by a covenant of right relationships, and we demonstrated our faith through singing, praying, vigiling, 
and caring at the events for ourselves and others everywhere we gathered. When we were out on the streets, when we were getting people out of jail, when we were witnessing with Puente and others, and we were mindful of how we conduct ourselves in public. Many, many acts of kindness by people in the yellow love shirts were reported. Kindness to police officers, to passers-by, to people in the community at the jails who were not part of the demonstrations but had been arrested. One of the organizers of the actions told us that, as Kai said, whenever she needed help, she'd tell people, go ask a person in a yellow love shirt. As I was walking by the jail in my love shirt, an attorney came up to me and said, I see you're one of the love people. Could you please let the folks at Puente know that I got a chance to get in and see Sal Reza, and he's okay. Many, many acts of kindness towards us by Puente, the legal team, the trainers, other allies, hotel staff, cafe owners, local and national press people, local police, and people on the streets were reported. Standing on the side of love creates love. It's an invitational force for change. I think, I believe, it has the potential to realign the political landscape in this country. The executive director of Interfaith Worker Justice, Kim Bobo, who's also a columnist for Religion Dispatches and reaches a huge audience, wrote an article about what happened in Phoenix. She said, of the several hundred religious leaders who showed up, only the Unitarian Universalist Association seriously committed staff, money, and organizing talent to the struggle. Given the significance of the immigration crisis, the religious community's values around welcoming immigrants, and the substantial role immigrants play in congregations throughout the nation, let's hope others will go and do likewise. So I think, what would it mean for us to show up in our yellow love shirts right here in Cambridge, in Somerville, in Boston? New ICE access programs are further criminalizing immigrant communities and fostering local enforcement of federal immigration law, the same kinds of policies that are in Arizona. And Sheriff Arpaio is indeed an example of how badly those policies can be carried out and the consequences that um, that make the consequences that occur. Boston is now a pilot site for these programs, and immigrant rights leaders here are very concerned. There's much we can do to help. So please come by the social justice table at coffee hour after our service this morning, where you can see photos from Phoenix. You can order a love shirt, and you can sign a letter to President Obama asking for an end to these policies. There's also a program at noon today with Families Against Mandatory Sentencing. And next month, young leaders from the stu student immigrant movement will be here to speak with us. Together, standing on the side of love is making a difference. Thank you, Susan, Kai, and Karen. What we've heard this morning is part of a continuing conversation that I hope you'll join. The conversation continues at noon today in the Hall Library. Whatever our response to immigration, may it speak and embody our highest ideals as Unitarian Universalists, the inherent worth and dignity of every person, the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part, freedom, justice, and love.
Amen. And blessed be.